Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. We're going to use the same text from this morning, so that's why there wasn't a scripture reading tonight. So you can turn over there if you would like, 2 Corinthians 1, uh, 8, 1 through 7. We'll be there in a few moments. Our word for today is partnership. We talked about partnering with God's people tonight. We talk about partnering with God. Think for just a minute of someone that you wish that you had been able to partner with for something. Maybe a business opportunity. Maybe just to have a recreational thing. Maybe you wanted to team up to be a partner with somebody who could... uh, Uh, compete with you. I did that one time in college, and I tell the story because it was about 5% me and 95% him, but we teamed up in a, I had to take, my senior year, I had to take a PE class, and I took tennis, and the teacher was the ladies' tennis coach, and she asked me and a guy who was a freshman or a sophomore, he's a preacher now, down in Knoxville, Tennessee, yep, and um, she's, well, he's a big tall fella, and she said, how about the two of you play me and one of the girls in a match? Well, I knew we were going to get skunked, but we won, and again, it wasn't because of me, I just had a good partner. You know, the key to winning things oftentimes is having a good partner, not yourself, So I don't know what it is maybe that you partnered with or would like to partner with. Maybe maybe you wish that you could team up with somebody because they'll teach you something or you'll be a, a better person because of it. I was thinking about it today. It seems to me that partnerships by design grow out of need. It seems that all partnerships, whatever they are, exist because there was a need on the part of one or the other that coming together met the need. Well, that certainly describes us and God, doesn't it? We need God's partnership. Now, I want to propose a few things to you. In my considering this material, I want to lay some things out for you that I would like for you to consider. Let's first of all notice how desperately we need God's partnership. Jesus said in John 15 and verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Notice, for without me you can do nothing. Literally, The Greek reads, without me, you have no power to do anything. That's what it says. So Jesus made it very clear. Without him, we're nothing. What does that mean? Let's think of a few things. One, we are not, Paul said, sufficient on our own. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5 Not that we are sufficient to think of anything as being from ourselves, for our sufficiency 
is from God. In other words, all that we need supplied does not come from us. We are not sufficient within ourselves. So we need somebody who will partner with us and bring what we cannot bring ourselves. We are not sufficient. Like Paul said, Romans chapter 7 and verse 18. I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. We need the partnership of God because the fleshly bodies that we inhabit here are not good. They are corrupt. And we have no sufficiency to fix it. We need God's partnership because, as the prophet Jeremiah said, Lord, I know it is not in man to determine his own way, and it's not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Jeremiah 10 and 23. I don't know the path to follow by myself. I couldn't stay on it by myself. I need, we need the partnership of God just to stay on and to be in the path God wants us. Maybe we can summarize it this way from Romans 5 and 6. When we were yet without strength, in due time, in the right time, in the proper time, Christ died for the ungodly. We were powerless. We don't have any power. We need the partnership. And as partnerships bring together what is needed to accomplish whatever is there, that's what happened. And God is the partner we need because he brings what we don't have. But, now this is where I ask you to consider this. We had it. And we lost it. Now think about this for a minute. When God created Adam and Eve, embodied in their creation in that garden, they were sufficient. Genesis 1, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every beast that creeps on the planet or on the face of the earth. They could do that. They had the power to do that. They had sufficiency to accomplish what it was that God wanted them to do. Number two. Paul said, nothing in my flesh is good. But don't you think their flesh was? Didn't God say, after he had created everything, it is very good. Isn't it the case? Seems to me that it is. That the original creation of the flesh, in fact, was good. I don't think that I had ever considered that before. Number three, the path was clear. 
God told Adam and Eve, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, you shall not eat of it. For in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. The path was clear. Don't eat the fruit. Now just think for a minute of all of the things that we're not supposed to do. They had won. That's a pretty clear path. No argument. How could anybody argue that, well, maybe he didn't really mean that? Oh, no, it was clear. Don't eat the fruit. And how about this? They had power because they were not by themselves in that garden, they were not distant. They were not separated. Think about this. Genesis 3 verse 8. After they sinned, you get this almost matter-of-fact statement. And they heard the sound of God walking in the garden. One of the scholars that I read, Hebrew scholars, said that word walking is a word that means taking a stroll for pleasure. Like someone would say, it's a beautiful day. I think I'm going to go for a walk. That's how that is presented in the Old Testament. God said, I'm going to take a walk. Now, the way it is written... I think implies this idea. They heard the sound of him walking because they were familiar with it. I don't think this was brand new. I don't, I don't think this was something they had never heard before and their assumption was, whoa, that must be God. It feels to me in reading the text that they go, oh, here he comes again. But in that moment, everything had changed. Now, instead of being able to walk with him on that stroll, which seems to me very possible what they had done, now they're hiding and they're running away. Because they lost it. Now, because of their sin, they no longer were sufficient. The flesh was damaged because you're going to die. And now they covered their bodies because it was corrupt. The path was unclear. We're not going to be able to stay here, are we? And now they didn't have any power. God kicked them out, and they were on their own. Now there's a gap. Now there's a distance. We need God's partnership. 
because sin came into the world and created the need that did not exist in the original creation. It was a failure on the part of humanity. I want to ask you to consider that. Think about it. See that, how that tosses around in your brain for a little while. But now let's ask a question. We've been saying today that partnership is two sides. Two sides in agreement. Does God need our partnership? Now you think about that for a minute. Does God need our partnership? Now, the first thing that you're going to think, I'm sure you did, as was the first thing I thought when, I, when this question popped into my mind. Well, God doesn't need anything. Well, like I've said many times, when you define the terms, you get to win the debate. What does the word need mean? I'm not talking about, does God need us because something is deficient? When we think about need, that's how we think of it. We have a deficiency, and the only way that we can fix it is with something coming in. We need it to fix the situation. Well, God doesn't have any needs because of deficiency. So when I say, does God need us, I'm not talking about his inability out of deficiency and therefore he needs us but I am saying and asking it based upon the nature of God does God in his nature need us in the partnership I think yes because it is not in the nature of God to coerce the, depart the partnership. We talked about it this morning that partnerships don't work when someone says, oh, by the way, you're going to partner with me, and here's how you're going to do it. You're going to give me this much money. You're going to do all this work, and you're going to be my partner. Well, I don't know of anybody who will do that. That's similar to a shotgun wedding. Get married. Or I'm going to shoot you. Well, you might be able to get married, but you're not going to have a marriage. So, God, in his nature, needs our partnership in order for us to be with him. Because he will not coerce us. Everything he gave us in creation... The way he made humans at that time lost because of sin. And now God needs us and he comes to us to create the partnership with our agreement. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 9, Paul said to the Corinthians, God is faithful, who through 
Jesus brought us into fellowship with Jesus Christ the Lord. Or using our word for the day, God partnered with us through Jesus Christ. But that partnering is not about God's coercing, God's forcing. It's about God offering to team up with us. And that's what faithfulness is. God is faithful. In other words, God said, here's what I'm going to do. As a part of this partnership, here's what I'm going to do. And he laid it all out there. And God is faithful. He will do exactly what he agreed to do in the partnership. And now he wants me and he wants you to agree to partner with him. He doesn't need us out of deficiency. But he needs us to do our part in order for the contract to which he will be faithful. In order for that contract to be fulfilled at the end for any single one of us. I agree to the partnership. And that's what happens when through Jesus Christ our sins are removed in water baptism and we receive the gift of the Spirit. And in that moment of baptism, in that immersion, we contract with God. Now I am one of yours. I was lost, but in this act, I am now saved, and now we are partners. And God wants us to partner together with Him to work out everything that we need, that we want, and that He offers. Now look at the text for the night. Give you four things to maintain the partnership. This text is built on the, the event that happened during this time when a great famine caused people not to have any food to eat down in the Palestine area. And Christians from all over the known world, under Paul's direction it seems, maybe others involved as well, directing money to go down there. And in this case, there were people who were telling Paul, you come up here and you get this and take it to them. We want to be involved. And we talked this morning about partnering with God's people, how they partnered to do this work. But this partnering with God and God's people is verse 5. Not only as we had hoped, they gave or they first gave themselves to the Lord, then to us by the will of God. 
they gave themselves to the Lord first. They partnered with Him first. And in partnering with Him first, now they can partner with God's people to accomplish a great task. So how did they maintain this partnership with God? And how did they maintain this partnership with each other? I see four things. One, verse one, appreciate the grace of God in your life. It is distressing to me when I have heard people who have been raised in the church around God's people who say, I was never taught about the grace of God. Well, I haven't been where all people have been in all churches where they could have been. But I can tell you this, I knew about the grace of God. I have preached and taught about the grace of God. I believe in the grace of God. Now, sometimes I think we have been guilty of preaching and teaching in such a way that it comes across as I have to do all the work. But that doesn't mean that we don't believe in the grace of God. These people did. And they appreciated God for it every day that we live with God and with each other. We ought to appreciate the grace of God that allows us to do it. Number two, verse two. All of this was taking place in a great trial of affliction. The famine in Palestine, but also the poverty of these people who wanted to help. How do you maintain the partnership? Don't let difficulties dampen your work. Sometimes we give up because people let us down. Wait a minute. We're partners. Don't quit. Sometimes we can't see how God is working things out. Don't quit. He is working it out. And if you want to maintain this partnership with God and this partnership with each other, you can't let difficulties drive you off of it because difficulties will come. It is never going to be fully smooth. It's going to be tough. Hang in. Number three, their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. You want to maintain a partnership with God and with each other? Do what you can to make much out of the comparative little that we bring to the partnership. What do we offer God? that he doesn't already have? Well, he doesn't have us until we offer ourselves. But God doesn't need us out of deficiency. So when we offer something to God, we're not helping him. We're just partnering with him. Make much out of the comparative little that we bring to the situation. Not one of us 
has enough by ourselves to create the church atmosphere that will be as successful as when all of us bring everything we have. We each individually are the church. That's right. God lives within us and I carry the church around in me and you in you. But by ourselves, we can't be nearly as impactful as we can together. Make much out of the little that we bring. And finally, be all in. They gave themselves. Be all in. The partnership won't work with God if we say, God, I'll tell you what, I want you to hold on to these two fingers so I've got a connection, but, but that's all I need, just this little bit. No, we ought to have, God, if you don't mind, would you just give me a big old bear hug and hold on? Isn't that the partnership you want? What about as a people? What about as God's people? Do you want people simply to acknowledge you? Okay, yeah, I think I go to church with them. Or, yeah, I don't know that person. They sit over there. I've seen them there. Is that the kind of bond that we want? Or do we want to be able to have a collective bear hug and hug everybody and create a situation where we know that we're all together, we're all in? There should be no question. Anybody who's a member of the body of Christ, universally or locally, there should be no question. Are you in or are you out? Unfortunately, over the last couple of three years, because of what we experienced when we could not or did not get together, there are some people who have still not come back. I'm never going to judge anybody who, well, I'm not going to judge anybody anyway, but I'm not going to consider or fail to consider that, yeah, there are some people who, health-wise, they need to be cautious. I get it. But there are some people who have a spiritual deficiency that has kept them away, not a physical one. And there ought to be no question. I should, we should never have to ask, is that person in or out? Isn't that sad? That we would ever in our minds think or have to ask, if our shepherds have to ask, okay, tell us, are you with us or not? And when you think about it, that's just sad. And if somebody has to ask me, are you with us or not? I wonder how God feels about that. Because that's sure not the partnership that he wants, that we want, or that we need. 
I hope these things are helpful. I hope that we can all decide to be partners with God and really be all in. Our shepherds wait for you if we can help you tonight while we stand and sing together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.